I was recently watching, I don't know if any of you have watched it so far, maybe you have watching it online, uh, but the Netflix just released a new Grinch movie, uh, Grinch cartoon, highly, highly recommended if you haven't watched it, probably the best Grinch story of all the stories, just love it, you literally fall in love with the Grinch and your heart breaks for him and the ending is phenomenal, go and watch it. But there's one point in the movie uh, when Cindy Lou Who, uh, spoiler alert if you've never seen The Grinch, uh, but Cindy Lou Who kind of has her first encounter with The Grinch and that she bumps into him uh, and she's quickly speeding down the mountain because she has her letter for Santa in hand and bumps into The Grinch and the letter kind of goes flying up in the air and The Grinch and her have this exchange, you know, where He's semi-mocking her in the sense that, you know, what could you be doing, you know, rushing down the hill, surprise letter in hand that he knows. And he makes the statement that, you know, this must be your wish list for Santa. And, you know, when you watch the movie, it's great because it's just so many surprises along the way. But as I watched that, it began to make me think about this concept of, you know, if I could wish for anything... What would I actually wish for? Like when you stop and think about it, what is it that I actually really want out of life? And, you know, the more that I thought about this, the more that I realized that it's probably very different. If you stopped and thought about it, it's probably very different than what you think you really want. Right? Like, if you were to ask some people, you know, you could well, go around this room or go ask anybody out there, and probably one of the main things that people would wish for is, I wish that I could have more money. And I mean, it's not a horrible thing to wish for, right? Money does definitely solve problems. You can give money away. You can be generous. You could change a lot of people's lives with some money. Uh, but money can't buy happiness, and so we understand that that's probably not what I would wish for. And, you know, some people would wish to be married, Because if I just had a man, then for sure I would be happy, right? But then you realize that marriages are good, right? (laughs) If you're watching online and you didn't see what happened, my sister Liz just waved her hand. But you realize that marriages can be good, but they also can be bad. Some people would wish for, you know, health. Some people would wish for beauty. Some people would wish for fame. And some people would wish for probably the most ultimate of wishes is that people would wish for more wishes, right? But, I mean, knowing the rules of genies, you know that that's one of the things you can't wish for. And and we meet this Christmas season, and angels show up on the scene, and they're announcing the birth of Christ. And in their proclamation, they make this declaration Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth. Peace on earth. You know, when, when Jesus was in his ministry, you know that one of the main things that he would say to people is, peace be with you. Right When he would leave a place or when people would leave kind of his surroundings, he would tell them to go in peace. We see it again modeled in the life of Paul, that when Paul, you know, writes his letters, sometimes at the beginning of his letters and sometimes at the ends of his letters, Paul says it like this, grace and peace be with you. You know, I thought about this because 
Paul could have said anything, right? Like he was the author of the letter and he could have chosen any way to kind of bring his salutations. He could have said grace and popularity because some people would love that. Could have said grace and power. Could have said grace and riches. He could have said grace and fame. Could have said grace and honestly anything he wanted But he chose to say these words, grace and peace be with you. Now, I've realized something in, as I thought about, like Cindy Lou Who, what would I actually wish for? I realized that peace is, whether you know it or not, the thing that each of us would wish for. But I'm, you know, I'm not talking about this, you know, peace that comes because you got the last of the toys that you wanted or the peace that comes because you wake up on Christmas morning and your husband got you that really nice piece of jewelry. I'm talking about real peace, lasting peace, right? Peace from heaven, this divine peace that doesn't come from anything that happens in the world. And as I thought about it, I asked myself this question, okay, well, why would everybody want peace? Like, what is it about peace? And, and I realized something, that you can have money in the bank, but no peace in your heart. You can have outward success. You could be the envy of your whole neighborhood, but feel empty on the inside. For those of you that are married, maybe you would know this, that you can be married to the hunkiest guy from your high school and not have any peace. It's funny because, you know, we all honestly want peace. But oftentimes what we experience is the opposite of peace. Isn't that true? We want peace, but we experience tension. We want peace, but we experience fear. We want peace, but our experience, our daily experience is one of anxiety and trouble and turmoil, you know, in our relationships with our friends and with our family members, right? We want peace, right? Everybody wants to have peace this Christmas season, but oftentimes we find ourselves, instead of peace, having misunderstandings disagreements, hurt feelings. Maybe you show up somewhere and you realize there's a little bit of unforgiveness that's buried deep down on the inside of you. And the truth is that if we break it down and ask ourselves, what is it that I really want in life? What do I really want? I've realized very quickly it's not stuff. I don't know about how many of you have realized that, that you can get something that you really want, and then when you've had it for like two weeks, it doesn't even matter anymore that you got it. What I'm really looking for is peace. And I thought about it. It's a funny concept to talk about as we get ready to close out the year that was anything but peaceful. I asked myself this question, is it possible to have peace? I'm going to spend a little bit of time this morning answering that question because the answer is absolutely yes. 
So Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Jesus, we're so grateful that you chose to strip off your divinity and step into humanity to be the savior that we needed. We ask this morning that you would overwhelm us. The word says that you are the prince of peace. And we ask that in the midst of this crazy year and this crazy season, that we would enter in a place of real peace with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, we're going to read a little bit this morning from the book of Isaiah. Now, maybe you were thinking that you were going to get something from the New Testament talking about the birth of Jesus, but you are not. We're going to go way back, hundreds of years before Jesus was on the scenes, to Isaiah chapter 26. Now, this is a very familiar scripture for probably the majority of you in the room, but you, we're going to read a scripture. Obviously, you know it's going to be about peace, but to bring a little bit of context into this scenario or the life that Isaiah was living in, this was a season of unsettledness. It's a, it was a season in Isaiah's life of anything but peace. Honestly, probably this was Isaiah's 2020 year, you know, way back in the way before. And Isaiah is about to prophesy of a day uh, that we will experience this unbridled worship towards heaven and experience a peace that passes all understanding. He says this in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 1 to 4. He says this, In that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter for you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Will keep you in perfect peace. All who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Verse 4 says this. Trust in the Lord always. For the Lord God is the eternal rock. He is the eternal rock. Now, I love Isaiah's promise. And I don't know about you, but I want this. I want his promise that I will be kept in perfect peace, right? Let me tell you something. You want this, right? You might not know you want it. You might think that you want that new ring from your husband. But I'll tell you, you may want that. But even more than you want that, you want this. You want to live in perfect peace. Now, I got to be honest with you, though. I want it, but I'm significantly more familiar with an imperfect peace than a perfect peace. I, I don't know how many of you can relate to this, right? I could be, you know, going through a difficult situation or actually, let's say it like this, I could be going through a good situation and let me tell you something, I am so good at being peaceful when everything in my life is going right. right? I mean, I have mastered that kind of peace. But then I have a moment of struggle, a moment of challenge, a moment of 
difficulty. You know, I'm like really pressing and I'm like, God, you know, I trust you and I don't get it, but I trust you. And then maybe like three or four minutes go by and I'm like, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken your servant? That I could be peaceful one moment and literally moments later experiencing an intensity of anxiety or fear that might as well be that I never even knew God at all. But Isaiah says it like this, and his promise is this, that you would be kept in perfect peace. Now, I think this warrants us understanding uh, because I think that, you know, God bless the uh, English people who initially translated the Bible uh, into the English language. Uh, but oftentimes, if you read the scriptures, you realize that they were not necessarily a very emotional people. So there's a lot of color in, written into the scriptures that is kind of lost in the translation as we would read it. And, and we read peace as, you know, kind of this like silent night. Oh, right. This is the kind of peace that the majority of us are thinking about. But when, when Isaiah originally wrote this book, how many of you know that he didn't write the word peace? How many of you know that Isaiah didn't speak English at this point? Maybe he does now in heaven. But when he wrote this word and his, he was writing out this promise, this foretelling of the Messiah, the word that he chose to use was the word, and we all have heard this word before, it was the word shalom. Maybe you've heard it in, you know, if you've ever been to Jerusalem or you've been anywhere around or you've interacted with any Jewish people, okay, you would know that they use this word as kind of their greetings. They use it when they say hello, they say shalom. When they say goodbye, they say shalom. I just recently had a phone call with my Uncle Dom and he signed it off. I said, see ya. And he said, shalom, brother. And I was like, God bless you. You're just better than all of us, right? But this word shalom is, is significantly more descriptive than the word peace in our modern understanding of what that word means. In fact, the word shalom means this, wholeness, completeness, it is the fullness of peace. Other translations say it like this, that the word shalom means Perfect completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, that you are so complete that there's nothing that could possibly be added to you in any capacity whatsoever. And this is what Isaiah is talking about. He's not singing Silent Night. He's letting us know that there is a promise inside of this Messiah that will one day be born in a manger. That you can experience a wholeness and completeness that nothing in this world could be added to you because you are so complete in him and his reality. This word shalom goes on to mean you know, peace in every area of our life means 
peace with God, that we never live in a place of wondering where we're at in our relationship with him. We're never feeling that he's angry or condemning us. It's talking about peace with others inside of our relationships, that there would always be this peaceful environment that we live with, that we're never in turmoil, we're never arguing, we're never frustrated, we're never experiencing that. It's talking about peace with yourself, that you, you, you don't carry all the baggage from all the stuff that maybe you had done before. It means peace in every single one of your circumstances. But what's really interesting is Isaiah could have said that we would be kept in shalom. How many of you know that that would have been enough? It would have been enough to say that you would be kept in absolute, utter wholeness and completeness when the Messiah shows up on the scene. But he takes it a step further. In fact, if you're to go back into the original writings you'll see that what Isaiah says is that you will be kept in shalom, shalom. Wow. He says, be kept in shalom, shalom, wow. right? That we're talking about that you will be so whole yes. that even your wholeness is going to feel whole. Yes. That you're going to experience so much good that even your goodness feels so good about how good it is. It's talking about the absolute highest level of peace and everything good that he could bring. This is my every moment experience. That it's whenever a, scripture, a word is repeated twice after another, it's, it's an emphatic statement that the, the, the writer is saying that there would almost be a double portion. That you would have the portion of peace that God would give you but then he just, because of his goodness, lays a whole other level of goodness on top of that. That this is why the word says that it would be, it's not just that we would be kept in peace. It's that we would be kept in perfect peace. Perfect peace. Now, I've come to realize something, though. This is kind of the asterisk. You know how you read the you know, this great deal. And then there's like three asterisks and then you read down and you realize, oh, actually this is a horrible deal. They got me. Now this is kind of my asterisk in my message is that peace does not mean that you will have no trouble. This is important to understand because sometimes people feel like they're missing it or they're missing God because they go through seasons of challenge or difficulty. Peace doesn't mean that you experience no problems. It doesn't mean that everything is going to be smooth sailing, easy street, living life. It doesn't mean that nothing is going to break. It doesn't mean that you're going to for never forget to leave the lights on in your car. It doesn't mean that your kids are never going to fight each other. It doesn't mean that your spouse is never going to get on your nerves. It doesn't mean that because I've realized something. Peace is not found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. Let me say that again. Peace is not found in the absence of problems. Why? Because even Jesus tells us that in this world, listen, man, you are going to go through stuff. So don't think that stuff somehow means that you aren't living in the promise. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems. Peace, true peace, perfect peace, shalom, shalom, is found in the presence of God. 
In fact, I would go to say that peace literally is the presence of God. It is God's presence. That's why Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, that when you get into his presence, there is a fullness of peace that you experience just by being in his presence. That's why you could be at worship service. You could have come into church with all of your problems. You get into the presence of God, and all of a sudden, you see how big God is and how small your problems are, and it's like you are overwhelmed with the sense of peace. Peace literally is God's presence. Peace is God's perspective. Peace is God's assurance. It is a deep inward knowing and reality that although the waves may come, I serve a God who controls the storm. That even in the middle of problems, even in the middle of challenges and difficulties, I can live in perfect peace. Now, you might, maybe online, you might want to push back at me a little bit here. And you're like, yeah, Alex, whatever, man. You know, with your perfect life and your perfect kid and your perfect wife and your perfect home and all your life is perfect, you don't know what I'm going through. You know, how can I have peace when my marriage sucks? How can I have peace when I have a child that's on drugs? How can I have peace when I've been spending an entire year alone with no prospects? How can I live in peace when I've been betrayed? How can I live in peace when my body aches? How can I live in peace in the midst of a pandemic? How can I live in peace? You don't know what the doctor just said to me. How can I live in peace when I can barely pay my bills? How can I live in peace? This is what I want to answer today because I have to tell you, peace is possible. Peace is a promise. Peace is our portion. But peace begins in our minds. I love Joyce Meyer so many years ago. She called it the battlefield of the mind. Anyone else have a war in your mind lately? <laughs> Anybody else going through a little bit of mental turmoil? starts in your mind. Why? Because, you know, I've even realized this in my own relationship with God, that it's really easy for me to believe God for you. I can believe God will heal you. I can believe God will prosper you. I can believe God will turn your situation around. But when it comes to me, how many of you know it feels very different when you got the report, when it's your bills, when you're feeling anxious, you know, I, I, I compared two different translations in this, in Isaiah chapter 26. It says this, that you will be kept in, per this is a New Living Translation, it says it like this, you will be kept in perfect peace, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Then I compared it to the NIV, the New International Version, I love how it says it, it says this, you will be kept in perfect peace, those whose minds are steadfast. Notice that Isaiah doesn't say that perfect peace is found when your mind is fixed on CNN, right? Or Fox News even recently. Notice it doesn't tell us that peace is found when our 
thoughts are fixed on the insecurity of the future. That perfect peace doesn't come when our minds are fixed on our financial problems. That perfect peace does not come when our thoughts are focused on the bad news we just received from the doctor. It says that like this, that perfect peace is achieved. It is attained when our mind is steadfast, that where I've built a solid foundation, where I'm fixed and focused, every one of my thoughts, like the Bible says, I bring them into subjection of the word, that I'm focused and fixed, not on all the stuff that's happening, but I'm, fo- I'm fixed on God. You know, this... The word uh, to fix is a Jewish word that I'm not going to say. It's a Hebrew word, I mean. And the word literally means to lean on completely or to fully rest oneself. And so from that, actually the scripture would be better translated like this, that you'll be kept in perfect peace when your mind is leaning on God. We can say it like this, that perfect peace comes when my thoughts are literally resting, that they're, they're sitting on, that, that the foundation of my thoughts is, is set on God's unfailing promises to me. But then this begs the question, what then is your mind fixed on? It's really a question for all of us. What are our minds fixed on? What consumes your mind? Where does your mind kind of just drift? You know, when you're just sitting around. What is it that you find yourself focused on? Is it financial worries? Which are very real at this time in life. Maybe it's the political division that we're seeing happening in the United States and generally around the world, the insecurity that this is creating. Maybe it's the very real fear of COVID and, you know, things that are happening and it doesn't seem like it's going away and it seems like it's getting worse and what's happening and what if I get it and what is my mind fixed on? Maybe your mind is fixed or focused on what's going wrong. Maybe it's focused on what could go wrong in some eventual possible future. Maybe your mind is fixed on things you don't like. Maybe it's fixed on people you don't like. Maybe it's fixed on dread that you have for the future. Maybe it's fixed on that friend who drives you crazy on social media and you just wish that they would stop posting on your pictures because what they say is so not nice. But the Bible tells us what to fix our minds on. I love this about the Bible because sometimes you could be like, well, that's good. Like, okay, I'm going to rest my thoughts, but like, what does it mean? And then God's like, just jump ahead a few books to the book of Philippians and I'll tell you, what should you fix your thoughts on? Right? It's a roadmap. The Bible is, it's a guide. Philippians 4, 8 and 9, you've all heard this before, says it like this, fix your thoughts on what is true. Fix your thoughts on what is honorable, right? Fix your thoughts, right? Notice the, the connotation of fix your thoughts speaks to me that oftentimes it's going to want to, you know, it's like I got some garland that goes around my door right now. And I was having little it's real garland and I was having some branches that were kind of flopping off. And finally, you know what I did? 
I got some zip ties, industrial strength zip ties, and I fixed those branches to each other, right? Those babies are going nowhere. I got to sell the house with the garland because it's fixed to my house. This is what the scripture says is that things are going to, branches are going to want to fly and thoughts are going to want to go wherever. But what? I have to intentionally fix my thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. He tells us, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And verse 9 goes on to say it like this, then, right? Then. How many know this month we're talking about seeds? How many of you know God acts on seeds? God can want us blessed, but if you don't give him anything, any seeds to work on, we can't experience it. The scripture says, listen, this is what you have to do. Fix your mind. You got to fix your mind. Then the Bible says it like this, then what? Fix your mind, then. Then the God of peace. Then the God of peace will be with you. So what are we focused on? I've realized something. Sometimes the easiest things to focus on about God are the most obvious ones. Sometimes I got nothing left. And all I can focus on, God, you are good. And that's all I got. I don't got enough energy to open my Bible to go find something specific. I'm like, God, you're good. And that's it. I'm just going to fix my mind. And sometimes I walk around my house and I'm like, Lord, you're good. 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 Right? Not because I'm crazy, but because if I know that if I stop saying that, I'm going to go crazy. So I'm like, God, you're good. Lord, you're good. I don't know what I'm going to do, but God, you're good. And I'm just focused and I'm fixing my mind on you. Not because everything is going right, but because I know somehow you turn all things around for my good. And I'm just focused on the fact that you're good. Not because I got money in my bank account. Not because my wife didn't just yell at me. No, I'm focused on your goodness. Why? Because you're good. God, you're good. Oh, you're so good. Man, you don't got to say it too long. Come on. Before what happens, all of a sudden, it's like God becomes so much bigger than your problems. God, your promises are true. God, your word never fails. God, you said you'd never leave me and you would never forsake me, right? This is who you are. You tell me when I'm lost, you are my guide. You tell me that when I am weak, you are my strength. You tell me that when I am hurting, you are my comforter. You tell me that it doesn't matter the craziness of what this world can throw at me. You said there's not height or depth or length or breadth. There's nothing spiritual or natural or demon or devil or whatever that can separate me from the love of Christ. You said that I'm a conqueror. You said that I am called. You said that I'm chosen. You said that I'm victorious. You said that I'm set apart. You said I was put here for a reason. And what happens when I fix my mind on that? All of a sudden, things change. But you see, this is not a piece that makes sense to those without Christ. It's what John tells us in John chapter 14, verse 27. He says this, peace I leave, I leave with you. He says this, my peace I give you. 
my peace. I don't give you as the world gives. I'm not giving you the world's peace. I'm not giving you that situational peace that as long as everything is going good, I got peace, but as soon as it goes bad, I got no peace kind of peace. It's not the world's peace. He says, it's my peace that I give you. And he goes on to say, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Why? Because everything is going to go right or good or everybody's just going to get along with you or you're going to accomplish your dream board exactly when you want to accomplish your dream board. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Because your kid is never going to push your Christmas tree over. Mm-mm. Because she's not going to poop on the floor. Mm-mm. That's the last 48 hours of my life. No, this is not the world's peace. This is not a situational peace. This is not a circumstance peace. This is the kind of peace that you can experience in the Garden of Gethsemane when you're in so much anger and so much turmoil. But yet I can focus on you and say, not my will. Why? Because it feels good? No. Because I know you Oh, you're so good. And you've never failed me. Jesus said, my peace I give you. You know, I love this because John chapter 14, if you know where you are in scripture, you realize that this was not Jesus saying this at the height of his ministry. This wasn't Jesus saying, my peace I give you after he just fed the thousands of people. John chapter 14 is the night before he begins to suffer. Peace is not found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. You can be kept in perfect peace when your mind is fixed him. This is shalom, shalom. This is perfect peace. Not that I have no problems. But when I find my problems, I seek his presence. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says it like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God come on take this if you need peace this morning online if you need peace this morning if you've been wondering man is it possible to find peace in this crazy season it says this the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds Christ Jesus. This is the peace I want. I want the peace of God. I'm not interested in the world's peace. I'm not interested in the peace that comes from having a bank account full of money or marriage or popularity or prestige. I want his peace. I want a peace that the world didn't give 
so the world can't take away. Can I tell you something this morning? Wherever you are, you can have peace. I want to pray for you. I'm going to take a second with our heads bowed and our eyes closed just as a moment of privacy and concentration. I'm not going to ask you to slip up your hands. Because I feel like if we were honest, we would all say we could use more peace. That our peace, even though we don't want it to be that way, it's often circumstantial. But as we sit here, as you sit in your homes, in your cars, wherever you are in this room, I want his peace, the peace that's found in the presence of God. So Father, I'm asking right now for your peace, your peace the peace that comes when our minds and our hearts and our attentions are fixed and focused on you. Lord, for every man, woman, and child, for every situation that we face in our life, we're asking like the disciples were the day in that boat when they were screaming and you were sleeping because you knew the peace in you was enough. We're asking for that kind of peace this morning. We thank you for that. And I just wanna invite you, while everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you are online and you're watching the stream right now. Maybe you're in the room, maybe you're in one of our campuses, maybe you're at a friend's house, maybe in your car, and you say, I need this peace. <laughs> My peace is so fickle. My peace changes so easy. I'm looking for the kind of peace that lasts. I'm looking for a peace that transcends situations or circumstances. And I wanna let you know, the Bible tells us that we can enter into a relationship with Jesus very simply. It says if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths that Jesus, on this moment of celebration in Christmas, that the Savior of God, King Jesus, God Jesus came down to earth, stripped himself of his divinity, accepted our humanity and became the savior for our sins, the perfect spotless lamb to die for us. If we believe in the savior, we could be saved. And so I'm gonna invite you, everybody in this room, wherever you are in your houses right now, I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer after me. Let's say it, one, two, three, say, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God sent from heaven to be the savior of this world. I believe that you are God. I'm asking you, be my savior, be my Lord. I take your righteousness in place of my sin. And I declare today that I'm in relationship with you. I'm right with you. I'm saved, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, and I'm cleansed. Lead me, guide me, direct me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout. I know there's people online, maybe people in this room. You rededicate your life to the Lord. You pray that prayer for the first time. Get in contact with us, info at golightcity.com. We'd love to connect with you. Well, that's it. God bless you. I think we have some announcements.
one, oh, one more video. Shoot, I messed up the flow. There's one more video and then I'll be right back. <laughs> 